humans. Hello, humans. Good Monday morning to you. Hello, it's Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio and AM 950. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for staying tuned. I am just excited. It's Monday. It's Monday before the big election, which I will get to later on in this in the show. But it is that Monday. So it is a Monday that is um, the Monday before an historic day. So there you go. So um, it is... And because of that, it's a very special Monday for all of us idealists and for all of us Americans. Our theme today is about idealism in the, in the late 1960s, early 1970s, and to a certain degree about the price that idealists back then paid. Um, our, big interview, uh, I, our big interview is uh, with Father Harry Burry, um, a Roman Catholic priest who paid a big price or paid a price for speaking out against uh, the war. And in Block C, I'll talk about two things. Um, one, about the election, and then secondly, is about an event that's going to happen tonight. So, let me talk first about um, three idealists uh, who you may not know their names, but you will know their act of idealism, many of you. Um, and, though, and, and let me start out by first saying this is about sports. It, it's related to sports, and many of us are, of course, uh, familiar today, contemporary, 2018, with Col Colin Kaepernick, you know, the NFL quarterback who is credited with with taking a knee during the national anthem, actually with first starting to sit, sitting down on the national anthem, and then people started taking knees after that. Um, and he did that. He was the first to really bring a light to that and, and the first to do that. And we know about Colin's story. And, and he did that to shine light on systemic oppression of people of color in our United States of America. And someday I will do a piece about Colin, but I, that's not what this piece is about. Um, instead, I want to talk about three people that preceded Colin by um, 50 years. Um, and when they preceded him, they shocked the world. It was in 1968. It was at the um, uh, the Summer Olympics in 1968, um, which uh, were taking place in the fall in 1968, in October of 1968. So we are just past 50 years. Um, and, you, and many of you listening to my voice were alive in, 50, in 68, but others were not. But... You may remember that it was, even from your history books, younger folks, that 68 was very tumultuous. It was coming on the heels of 1967 race riots, and then in the spring of 1968, the assassinations of Dr. King and Robert F. Kennedy. And so on October 16, 1968, during the Olympics, there, was, um, there were uh, races, of course, because the Summer Olympics involve uh, racing, um, track and field. And there were two Americans who raced in the 200-meter race um, who won medals. Tommy John, excuse me, Tommy Smith won the gold medal, and John Carlos won the bronze. And then there was an Australian by the name of Peter Norman who won the silver. And at the time, as you know, what happens on the Olympics is, you know, run the race, you get, you know, you become the winner of a race or something, and, and you, you get to stand on a platform um, with the gold medalist higher than the silver or the bronze medalist, and, and you get to, they put, the, they put the medal around your neck, and then they play the national anthem for your country. And so when um, that occurred in 1968, after Tommy Smith and John Carlos won their medals, um, as they turned to face the national anthem, um, each of them raised a fist with a black leather glove on that fist in the air. And rather than looking up towards the flag, they looked down. Um, and, all, and the two of them, as well as um, Peter Norman, who was from Australia, the, civil, the silver medalist, all wore buttons. Um, and actually, there was actually much great symbolism going on that most people do not understand. Um, the, both of the men, um, uh, Smith and uh, Carlos, uh, one uh, wore black scarves around their neck to symbolize lynching. 
although you won't be able to pick them out in most of the uh, um, pictures. They also wore black socks and no shoes. They took their shoes off and put on black socks. That was to symbolize poverty. And the gloves actually represented power and equality. Um, Smith later on was quoted as saying it had nothing to do with black power or the Black Panther movement, which was going on in the country at that time. But instead, it was a salute about human rights. And frankly, he was using the phrase human rights in 1968, long before that phrase had really entered the popular lexicon. And the three of them, and so they enlisted the white Peter Norman from Australia. All three of them wore a button um, uh, that um, was put out by an organization called the Olympic Project for Human Rights. And there are buttons they're, that they wore on their, on their jerseys uh, were in support of that project, in support of human rights. Now, um, this did not go over well. The crowd booed um, Smith and Carlos, booed them um, as they were raising their fists in the air. Um, the the uh, International Olympic Committee um, then ejected them from the Games, banned them, banned them from ever coming back. Ban them for life, um, and uh, and 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 um, Peter Norman, uh, the Australian, the civil silver medalist, he was not ejected from the games, but he was the subject of great criticism back in Australia for having worn the the button in support of Smith and Carlos, and and uh, those who have ever taken my allyship training know that wearing that button was an act of allyship. It was an act of being an ally and then actively engaging in allyship by showing, by showing there because Norman, a white man, and uh, you may recall that um, Australia has its own history of racism and racial problems, um, de dealing with the Aborigine um, indigenous people. And uh, so Norman knew that he would be in trouble. He was not banned from future... Norman was not banned from future Olympics, but even though he, in subsequent, the subsequent three years after the 68 Olympics, qualified 13 times for the Australian um, track team, they did not allow him to go back to the 1972 Olympics. So... Um, so Smith and uh, Carlos come back to the U.S. after this protest, and they were ostracized in the United States. They received death threats. They had difficulty finding jobs. Both of them um, never were able to, again, ever be in the Olympics. And as Smith once said, he said he could never, never was able to determine actually how fast he could become because he was just entering his prime age-wise in 1968. Now, um, as humans do when the actions of idealists are viewed through the lens of time, the actions of, of Smith and Carlos and of uh, Peter Norman, um, in retrospect, have been viewed very praiseworthy. I mean, Smith and Carlos were honored by their alma mater. They both went to San Jose State with a statue. Um, and in 2008, Smith and Carlos were awarded the Arthur Ashe Courage Award at the ESPY Awards. Um, and, uh, and then later, Peter Norman uh, received an apology from the Australian government um, from, for the way that they treated him afterwards. Uh, and, and, and as it turns out, um, when Norman died in, 19, in 2006, um, Smith and Carlos uh, were pallbearers at his funeral. There goes the bond, how deeply it does flow of idealists. Now, what those three men, but particularly what Smith and Carlos did on that day in October of 1968, was incredibly brave. It was. They were black men um, in a society where being black still was considered second class. They understood the power of sports for the black community. They wanted to give other black people hope. And they wanted them to know that they, at Smith and Carlos, they had their backs. 
they were the perfection of idealism. They were. They stood up. They took a stand. They knew that it would cost them, and yet they still did it. Darn brave, if you ask me. Darn brave. I'm wondering where our idealists are today, the ones that are willing to be brave in that way. I'd like to think that I am, but I have my issues at times. That may be for another show. Um, but we don't see very many of them. In the next segment, I'll be speaking with Father Harry Burry, who who also was an idealist in the late 60s and early 70s. Actually, he's an idealist all the way up till today. But I will be speaking with him, and we'll hear about his idealism. But this idea of being brave, of taking risks, of paying a price for that bravery, um, really is out of step today. People are worried. They're worried, what will this cost me? What will this do for me? And because of that, we've become a society that is afraid to take chances or risks and afraid in many ways to stand up for other people. And when they do, we're very quick to label people in a variety of ways. We are. But then again, maybe that would be a, another show topic as well. So, you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio, uh, where we talk about idealism. And you know what? I never even talked about the fact that I'm transgender. Hey, regular listeners, we just passed by that. Duh. If you like what you hear, view my web, uh, go to my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. When we come back, the big interview with Father Burry. Thanks. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. What kind of a jackass would let an animal pick their insurance? Did you really think a lizard could save you money on car insurance? Would you let a duck pick your health policy? Insurance can be a zoo, but this is ridiculous. What you really need is an insurance agent that isn't looking out for the insurance companies. You need Cheryl at Array, an independent agent with 30 years experience looking for the best rate possible. Quit monkeying around and call 763-504-3067. That's 763-504-3067 for Cheryl at Array, representing you, not the insurance company. Companies. I'm John Peterson of Ferndale Market, and I'm the third generation to grow turkeys on our family farm in Cannon Falls. We've grown them the same way since 1939, free range and without antibiotics. We're proud of the way our turkey tastes naturally, so we don't add a thing. Just 100% pure turkey. Reserve your free range Thanksgiving turkey today for pickup at our store right on the farm in scenic Cannon Falls or at one of our metro retail partners. Visit us at FerndaleMarket.com for more information or to reserve your turkey today. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. And I'm Rachel Shamblot. Did you know a lot of people are afraid of the dentist? You don't need to be afraid of my dad. He makes going to the dentist comfortable and even fun. We don't care if you're a dental regular or haven't seen a dentist in years. We just want to make you comfortable and get you out of pain. If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. Hello, humans. It's Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many know that I have a diversity and inclusion company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I want to share about a speaking event I'll be hosting on Monday, November 5th, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Open Book in Minneapolis. I'll be giving my gray area thinking talk on how to be welcoming to humans. I'd love for you to join me. Go to elliekrug.com and look for the Human is Human public events page for more. Please come and please tell others. See you then.
And we are back on LE 2.0 Radio and AM 950. Oh, my goodness. I will tell you, I am, you know, uh, it was 50 years ago with uh, Tommy Smith and and uh, uh, John Carlos, but their, their actions of what they did at the 68 Olympic, uh, in, at least in my heart, carry on. And and as I said in the other segment, just the, the power of the of the raised fist, it's a universal symbol, and it all goes back to two men who decided that they were going to make a political stand. And um, on, on the big interview right now, we have another man, um, a larger-than-life man, Father Harry Burry, who is here with us to talk about his work and about him being an idealist. Father Harry, thank you for being on LE 2.0 Radio. How are you? Ellie, I'm grateful and I'm joyful to be on your show. Well, thanks, Father. I just, um, I've been looking forward to talking to you. Um, as, as luck would have it, I know two Father Harrys, believe it or not. Oh, and wow. uh, um, and uh, the other Father Harry is an apostolic priest, I always trip up with that word, who uh, ministers to um, folks up in um, Moose Lake, are the sex offenders, the people oh, who wow. are caught in no man's land, so to speak, who don't ever get released. Mm, what a challenge. So, yeah, and so that Father Harry. But I've got you, this different Father Harry, here, and uh, I'm thrilled to have you. So, Father, you are um, you are the author of a book, The Maverick Priest, uh, a story and the of life on the edge and when i heard about you and that book is available on amazon is that right yes okay when i heard about you and about your story i absolutely wanted to have you on the show because you are an idealist and um we don't have a lot of time but some uh your idealism you grew up in minnesota is that right that's right on north minneapolis okay and then decided to go into the priesthood uh in, was it in your late teens 15 15 years old Okay, God love you. Obviously, God did love you, and and um, and then somewhere along the line, uh, you got into your head that you needed not only to be a priest, but that you needed to help humans in a much bigger way than priests usually do. Can you talk about that? Well, I was a chaplain at the University of Minnesota Newman Center right during the Vietnam War, and from nineteen sixty-five to seventy. And about, uh, well, me, me, a number of uh, students, male students, came asking if I would help them write letters to their draft board because they were conscientious objectors. That is, in conscience, they didn't think that they could go to Vietnam and kill Vietnamese people who were uh, not, uh, not attacking us or in no way endangering us. And so the more I got involved in doing that, the more I studied about the war, the more I came to the conclusion that it was not only a mistake on the part of of the United States but also immoral and that began my beginning to think differently than uh, than uh, 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 than so-called uh, officials of the government and the church right I was I was thinking differently and that led me to want to go on to graduate school and get a PhD in organizational behavior and led to a previous book in which I invite people to think and feel differently in the new millennium. Okay. Um, but so you, so you went, uh, got your PhD, is it, was it your master's or your PhD? PhD. PhD. And then, but, but, but you didn't end there, father. I mean, you, you started to really to the war. And, and, you know, I just got done speaking about 1968 and all the tumultuous things going on. And, and I, I was, you know, 12 years old in 1968, but I was a pretty astute kid. You know what it was like for our country in the late 60s and early 70s. We were coming apart at the seams. We were, yes. And there was a, this horrible war going on that ultimately cost more than 50,000 American lives and God knows how many hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of South Vietnamese and North Vietnamese. Yes. And you went. You went to Vietnam. Yes, I did in 1971. But I went there not because I had an answer, but because the Vietnamese invited me to come and do a right. protest against the war. And, and they asked us if we would four of us chain ourselves to the U.S. Embassy gate in Saigon. And we did what they asked us to do, and eventually were thrown out of the country. 
And we then uh, went to uh, to Laos, Vinchen Laos, the capital, which was a city of intrigue, you know, because right. all sides were there. The Vietnamese, had, uh, North Vietnamese had their own embassy there. And I asked at the embassy if we could go to North Vietnam. And they didn't have time to, to receive us then. But a year later, I was invited to go to Hanoi. And so I flew into Hanoi, Hanoi while the U.S. was bombing and brought out three U.S. captive pilots. And, it, and while I was there, I got to say mass in Hanoi. Okay, well, what you just said was a whole lot, Father. <laughs> sorry. No, don't, don't be sorry, but, um, you know, uh, we, we need to, to really paint the picture. I mean, in 1972, uh, Nixon upped the air war in Vietnam. Um, there is a segment of the Vietnamese population that is Catholic, right? Yes. Identifies as Christian. Yes, most of them, though, however, moved to the South after 1954. In fact, about at least 100,000 of them. And they became the constituency of the two regime. Okay. And that's why they asked priests to come and do this demonstration. And so when you went to South Vietnam and then when you went to North Vietnam, how was the church receiving all of that news? Well, I was received by the cardinal in Hanoi, and he granted me permission to say Mass there, uh, a, a bit reluctantly, but he did. And, uh, well, I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm a conundrum, I think, uh, because on the one hand, I'm a brother in Christ, and, and the hierarchy don't want to turn me down, you know, since I am not asking to do something that would be immoral. Uh, or unquestionably immoral, uh, and so uh, I think I, I was sort of a challenge. So they wanted to, they didn't want to be hurtful, but at the same time, they, I didn't get a lot of cooperation. Let's put it that way, or support. Well, I'm wondering more about the hierarchy way far away from Vietnam, such as Rome, you know, and. Well, I went to Rome uh, twice. One, once when I uh, wanted to see the Holy Father, and. Uh, and when the uh, Holy Father didn't have time to see me, we did a demonstration mass on the steps of St. Peter's. Uh, and then I, I was told to leave Rome and never come back. But uh, when I went to Vietnam to do this demonstration, the priests there gave me letters. And so I, I did go back to Rome and try to give the letters to the Holy Father. And uh, I gave them to my own bishop who was there at the time at a synod. And I never did hear whether the Holy Father got the letters or not. Right. So when we come back from our break, Father, I'm going to want to talk a little bit more about your activism during the war and, and after the war. And, and then I want to talk about, when we come back, about what makes you tick. Okay? What makes for a Harry Burry? Okay? Not sure I know. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll have 13 minutes and 30 seconds to explore. Okay. <laughs> Listeners, you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug. I've been interviewing Father Harry Burry, um, the maverick priest. I hope you're enjoying it. I certainly am. Um, if you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com or email me. I love hearing from listeners at lejkrug at gmail.com. Um, and we'll be back in a minute to complete our interview. Thanks. Hello, humans. It's Ellie Krug with LA 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many know that I have a diversity and inclusion company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I want to share about a speaking event I'll be hosting on Monday, November 5th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis. I'll be giving my gray area thinking talk on how to be welcoming to others. I'd love for you to join me. Go to elliekrug.com and look at the Human is Human public events page for more. Please come and please tell others. See you then. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. 
Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Hello, I'm Dave Hutch, DFL endorsed candidate for Hennepin County Sheriff. I've been a police officer for 15 years, and I'm running for sheriff because I believe our elected sheriff should have a vision of public safety that includes everyone, no matter where they're from or what they look like. I believe in transparency, responsiveness, and open communication. As sheriff, I will rethink how the sheriff's office interacts with ICE. I'll require crisis intervention and de-escalation training for all Hennepin County deputies. I'll make it a priority to protect everyone of Hennepin County, including our immigrant communities and our native community. I will provide mentally ill individuals with treatment and services needed to stay out of jail. I will never send Hennepin County deputies to break up protests at places like Standing Rock. And I will never stop working to improve the relationships between the police and the communities we serve. Let's start working together for a safe and healthy Hennepin County. I'm Dave Hutch, and I'm asking for your vote for Hennepin County Sheriff. Paid and prepared by Hutch for Sheriff Volunteer Committee. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today we have rain with a high near 45. Tonight the rain continues with a low around 37. Tomorrow will be cloudy with a high near 41. Wednesday mostly cloudy with a high near 37. And Thursday mostly cloudy with a high near 33. Don't miss the Home Improvement and Design Expo this Saturday only at the Mounds View Community Center. Featuring up to 150 home improvement companies, giveaways, and more. It's the Home Improvement and Design Expo this Saturday at the Mounds View Community Center. See it all at ExpoGuys.com. That's ExpoGuys.com. And we are back on AM 950. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug. Hello. I've been interviewing and speaking with doc, uh, Father and Doctor Harry Burry, um, the Maverick Priest, who um, in the in the 70s uh, went to first South Vietnam and then North Vietnam. Um, and you ended up when you went to North Vietnam in work in arranging for the release of three uh, captured U.S. pilots. Is that right? That's correct. Um, and this was at a time where more pilots were being shot down over North Vietnam. Yes. And um, and I'm I'm sure you're familiar with John McCain's story about I being am. in captivity and and uh, well we don't need to go there. But John McCain is a hero of mine because uh-huh. of what he did in in captivity in Vietnam. I mean yes. he was quite the hero. Now, Father, um, uh, you in the seventies, early seventies, you're doing this. You I mean you you know the criticism that Jane Fonda got for going over to Vietnam. I gotta believe that the church was not really happy with you going to Vietnam um, for whatever implications it would make people feel about Catholic priests and Catholic Church in general. Um, yeah, and as you went forward, I mean, you you you're you're not a you're not a you are not a wilting flower, and you spoke up, right? I did the best I could. Yes. Okay. How did it go? I mean, how do you think that your career within the church was impacted by your activism, by you speaking the truth about war, being immoral? Well, I was surprised that uh, the church didn't have my back as much as I expected it to be have. And my fellow priests, I thought that they would be more encouraging. Uh, I didn't get any negative, really. Uh, but I didn't get anything positive either. It was well, hard. you got shut out of meetings. I mean, well, you know, you attempted to go to various meetings, and they wouldn't see you. They wouldn't let you say your piece. And, well, that, that's that's correct. And for us idealists, about being able to, ex- to, to say our piece is incredibly important. Yes. Uh, but then I didn't also try very hard. 
I sort of accepted that 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 was not a door that I could go through, and I didn't spend time brooding about it. I just went to other doors and other places to try to have influence. Well, that's what idealists do. I mean, we we we're persistent. Yes. Yes. I, I, I mean, from what I read in your book and what I've seen about you online, you are like one. You are the poster child of persistence. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that. So, Father, let's talk about um, what makes you tick. Okay. I mean, there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of priests um, in the world. Um, and in your lifetime, of course, there were far more at one time. And, uh, you know, there are various ways that, that um, you could go in the priesthood. You could have looked for a, you know, um, a parish and become a parish priest. You could have worked your way up in the hierarchy, done the political thing. And yet you are going to Vietnam. You're going, and after Vietnam, you're you're advocating, you know, about mindfulness and about humans understanding our commonalities. I mean, some of it is church dogma, but a lot of it is just about humans and understanding what we are like as humans. Why why did you get there? How what made you an idealist like this? Well, I I think I was socialized by my parents, who were always hopeful. And uh, they didn't complain a lot. I mean, they were very positive about life. And so I, I got a lot of it from them. And then the, my faith in, in Christ was is a positive one. I mean, I believe in the resurrection. Yeah, we got to go through some crucifixions. But uh, in the end, it's resurrection. And when we went to the gate to be, to be um, chained that morning, the one fellow who was with us, it was a uh, Leonard Hirsch was is Jewish and uh, agnostic, and he said it's easy for you guys, you know, you believe in another life. <laughs> this is all it is for me, <laughs> and I kind of laughed at the time, but in retrospect, I thought about it, and yes, because I believe that there's more to life than 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 what we have here. That there is a life after death gave me a lot of courage. Okay, well, um, uh, you just said a whole lot there that the. The thing that idealists do, though, is that we, we, we have this thing inside of us that burns. I mean, I don't know about how you would describe it, but I'm like, this, there's this thing always inside my gut that's just telling me you got to keep pushing, you got to keep doing things, you got to keep moving. And, um, and for me, that came from watching Dr. King and Robert F. Kennedy. You know, I mean, I had a, I had a father that was um, fairly egalitarian towards other people, so that helped. Um, but it, for me, it was watching King and Kennedy and, and listening to the words and seeing this, obviously they made the ultra, ultimate sacrifice. Can I use the word me too? <laughs> you yes, can. yes, they were certainly my heroes and, uh, uh, they were, uh, an inspiration for me too. Well, and, and you know, I have a lot of idealists on my show, and one of the things that I'm hearing consistently were are about parental role models, parents or other figures in, in some child's younger life that yes. model yes. about being good to other humans, and I think about that hope thing. Yes. Now, there wasn't a whole lot of hope in my family, but certainly, but, but certainly you heard that from Dr. King and, and, from, Indeed. and from Robert F. Kennedy. Yes. You know, I mean, you know, Bobby Kennedy went over to um, South Africa in 1966 in the heart of apartheid and told the, the South African government that it was wrong. Yes. I mean, so what's happened to our idealists? Where are where are we today? Why why do you think there are so much so many fewer idealists? Well, maybe. I guess I need to think about that more. That's a pretty heavy question. I hadn't thought about why. Uh, well, uh, maybe it's because of our culture. Our culture is negative. Ah, talk uh, more about that. Well, we, we're we really into punishment. The way we think we're going to prevent uh, evil in the world is by punishing the evildoer. Oh, I love that. And, Go on, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's a mistake. Once we divide the world into good and bad people, then bad people need to be punished. But if we see that there are no bad people in the world, that everybody's good, they just don't, they, they don't know what's really good for them. So they make mistakes. And when people make mistakes, they don't need to be punished. They need to be 
educated. They need to be rehabilitated. They need, to, and you, how do you do that? Not by punishing them. I, I never learned to behave myself because my parents punished me. I learned to behave because I found out that behaving was in my self-interest. It was good for me and it was good for my parents. And so I'd come home on time, not because I'd get grounded if I didn't. I came home on time because I didn't want my mother and father to worry about me because I loved them so much. Well, so pretty good answer, Father, for just on the fly. Okay. Thank you. You know, and and, um, I agree about the negativity because, I mean, now with social media, negativity is just so, it's just like that, instantaneous. And, um, and, and, and I've been, you know, I've received some negativities just simply because of what I have done, um, but yes. not nearly as much as other people have received. And so in that regard, I'm very lucky. But, but what I loved in reading about you was your focus on our commonalities, that all humans, that we have various things that are in common. And I talk about that as well in my work. And, and from... And, and 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 in your readings, while while certainly I see reference to Christ and 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 all of that, I I don't I don't see a whole lot of of, of Catholic dogma, okay? For lack, and I'm not trying to be negative about the church, but I but but what I do see is a lot of human dogma, uh-huh. you know, a lot of uh, well, what you, you what you that. what you have written about is about us understanding that we're all in this together. I mean. I have this saying, I mean, we're all struggling to survive the human condition. Yes. You know, and it seems to me that that's what your work has been about, Father, and I'm just, I'm in awe of it. And we're still at it, and I call it a gentle revolution. Tell me more about that. Well, we're working to create an environment in which the Twin Cities can be free from violence. That's correct, and I, you and just had your um, nonviolent uh um, conference is that right? That's right. From not- September 21st through the 30th, we had 10 days in which over 65 organizations prevented presented events that contribute that contributes daily to the well-being of our Twin Cities. And how did that go? How was it received? I thought it was received very well. Uh, people appreciated those who took advantage and went to any of the events found it uh, a very positive experience. Uh, we could have had more people on the one hand, but on the other, the people who are supposed to be there were there. Right, right. And, well, and, and um, we have, I, when I read about that, about the um, Twin Cities nonviolent event that kicked off on March, excuse me, on September 18th, which coincided with International Peace Day, I thought that that was a brilliant idea. Are you going to repeat it next year? The people involved do want to do so. Okay. So, But we're going to keep working between now and next year to create an environment in which the Twin Cities are free from violence. And we're working with the gangs. You are? Yes. Okay. Well, um, that that's incredibly important work because for the gangs, a lot of it is about loss. I mean, you have people are in gangs because of fractured families because they don't have an identity because they don't have people that care about them they don't matter to other things but when they're in the gangs they matter to the gang members yes you know and yes. if we can understand that um, then maybe we can try and figure out how to unravel some of the gangs in terms of their identity because that's tribalism as well I mean they have their identities as well I agree and we're and we're uh, I mean, you're 88 years old, Father. You, you, you have not retired. I mean, not really. I mean, you're, you're just. I mean, you're here in clerical garb. You're, you're, you're as alert as any 44 year old I've met. And, um, and, and will this idealism do you think ever go away for you? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, it would kill me. I don't know how I could live in a fulfilling way if I were not an idealist. Well, Father, do me a favor, if you would. Whenever you have free time, please do a YouTube video. It doesn't have to be longer than two or three minutes. And will you talk about the power of idealism, how it has, how it has impacted your life? Will you do that? Because I think that that would be really great to share to the larger world. 
Okay. Okay, I've seen you do videos, and you, I know you can do them. So, well, Father, um, it's been really great to have you on the show. I've really enjoyed speaking with you, and um, maybe sometime we'll have you back. That'd be wonderful, and thank you for having me. I, I enjoyed it, too. Oh, thanks. All right, well, listeners, we've been speaking with Father Harry Burry, the author of Maverick Priest, a story on the life on the edge of Life on the Edge, um, which is available on Amazon Books. Um, I'm just a little bit speechless because it's just an honor to have such an idealist in front of me. When we come back from our break, I will, I will do my uh, uh, C block where I'll talk a little bit about the election tomorrow and about an event I've got coming up tomorrow night. Thanks so very much. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Being a dog is awesome, except when you really gotta go, but you're stuck inside. That's why I had my human call the Urban Dog. Daily walks, field trips, play groups, one-on-one -on -one time, safe off-leash play, and pet sitting. I love being an Urban Dog. The Urban Dog works with your schedule and can create a plan that fits your needs. The Urban Dog. Exercise, explore, socialize. Let the journey begin. Call 651-231-6333. That's 651-231-6333. <laughs> Keith Ellison, extreme, out of touch. Keith Ellison supported cop killers, advocates for open borders, and has been credibly accused of domestic violence by multiple women. Even the National Organization for Women has called for Ellison to end his campaign. What's even worse, Keith Ellison opposed a bill in Congress that barred sex offenders from teaching our children. Ellison has an extreme agenda, and he wants to use the Attorney General's office to push it. How can we trust him to be our Attorney General? We need Doug Wardlow. Wardlow will fight crime, work to lower health care costs, stop human trafficking and the opioid epidemic, and most importantly, keep Minnesota fair and safe. That's why Doug Wardlow has been endorsed by the Minneapolis Police Union. Doug Wardlow will look out for all of us, for every Minnesotan. Vote Doug Wardlow for Attorney General. I'm Doug Wardlow, and I approve this message. Paid for by the Doug Wardlow for Attorney General Committee. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. And we're back on LE 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Oh, my goodness, Father Burry. Oh, you know what? I mean, the man sat across from me, 88 years old. He doesn't look a day over 60. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, the stuff that he did, the bravery that he had, chaining himself to a fence in Saigon during the war and then going to North Vietnam while the country was being bombed by... Other Americans, just unbelievable. Un Idealism at its height. Now, in this C block, I talk about my. I usually talk about my work as an idealist. I'll talk briefly about that today. But for the most part, most of this segment, I'm going to be a cheerleader. Okay, 
and I'm going to be a cheerleader for you, my dear listeners. Tomorrow, November 6th, may be one of the most important days in the history of our country. Certainly, um, the most important day we've had since 9-11, without any question. Tomorrow will decide what America really stands for. Do we stand for separating families at the border or anywhere else in our country? Um, or do we stand for believing in the dignity of all humans, regardless? And I'm speaking to you right now, the day after I heard... So we're taping this show, so just bear with me. But I'm speaking to you the day after a New York Times piece broke where it revealed that the Trump administration seeks to erase transgender, the word transgender, from the governmental vocabulary and essentially to erase me and other transgender people from existence. You just heard that right. And, and so, but it's not only about me, and I'm not giving you this talk simply because I'm transgender and it's about transgender. This is about all humans. This is about all humans. And so I'm asking you to do several things between today and tomorrow. Tomorrow night when the polls close at 9 o'clock. First, I'm asking you to vote. Please, if you haven't already done the absentee thing, which is at this point too late, I ask that you go and vote tomorrow. Secondly, Please do this. Call your voting age child and nieces and nephews and get them to promise that they will vote. Get them to promise. Like, you know, give me your word that you will go do that. Because usually when people have to give their word, they follow through. Not always, but many times they do. Versus, oh yeah, I'll do it. No, give me your word that you will do it. You need to make, impress upon these younger people that they need to get out and vote. Thirdly, ask three other people that you know through church, through the coffee shop, through the gym, whatever. Ask them if they voted or if they plan to vote. The more that you ask of people whether they're planning on voting, the more that that creates peer pressure for them to do it. We are humans. We react to peer pressure. If we see other humans doing things, we are more likely to go and do that. And please, humans, react to peer pressure, find three people today and ask them, did you vote? If not, are you going to vote tomorrow? I voted. Please vote, okay? Lastly, because this show is about idealism, but it's also about humans, lastly, I ask that you take care of yourself. If it goes poorly tomorrow night, first and foremost, please take care of yourself because it will be incredibly difficult, I know. We will need you in emotionally good shape for going forward if things go poorly. If things go well tomorrow night, if, if there's suddenly a new springing of hope in the United States tomorrow night, then we will need you um, to be a foot soldier, okay, to help carry forward that hope. So please take care of yourself. This is very important. You know that. You're listening to the station. You're hearing this from not only Ellie Krug, but from other people. And so to a certain extent, I've got the choir that's listening to me. I'm asking for this choir to open the doors and to sing outside the doors and the windows so that passerbys hear the choir. This is so incredibly important that we get the vote out because we have no idea, no idea of the extent to which the vote is being suppressed in the United States. We don't. We don't know, but we know that it's happening. So please, engage in your civic responsibility and urge others to do the same. Now, let me pivot to, um, for the last big plug of my public event on gray area thinking that will take place tonight, Monday, November 5th, from 6.30 to 8.30 at Open Book on Washington Avenue in downtown Minneapolis. If you want to get a ticket, please uh, go to Eventbrite, uh, Google Eventbrite Gray Area Thinking, and uh, the ticket, uh, the, the event will come up. I would love to see you there. This event, this Gray Area Thinking, is a training on human inclusivity. It's on a it's a training about how to be more welcoming and better to people who are quote-unquote 
other or quote-unquote different in our society. And frankly, we can make anybody different or other. It is not LGBTQ-focused training. It is all human-focused training. And I will tell you, people react to this training with an emotional response, a good emotional response, because what I hear time and again is that this training gives people hope. Hope for us, for our ability to get past the negativity that we just heard Father um, Burry speak about, the negativity that's in our country right now. This is a hope about posit- This is a training about positivity, about how humans can be good to each other. I would love for you to come. Um, it's two hours. I will challenge you in, in a kind and gentle way. Um, you'll get to see, new, make new friends maybe, um, but most of all to be an opportunity to get you to think perhaps a different way than what you've been thinking or to reinforce the positive way that you have been thinking. We always need to have positive reinforcement. So I would love to see you. Please come. Please bring other people. And again, you can go to just Google Eventbrite gray area thinking and um, it will come up for you for tonight at five uh, excuse me from 6 30 to 8 30 at open book in minneapolis okay well that puts another show into the can so to speak um we'll see what happens tomorrow because that will help dictate how some of my future shows go <laughs> for sure so you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world with Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. If you've enjoyed the show, email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com and let me know what you liked. Let me know what topics you'd like me to cover, what other idealists you'd like me to know about, because there are all kinds of idealists out there under the radar. Please tell others about this show. I'd love to take this show nationally. Um, I really would. Um, but it takes support to do that. And speaking of support, I need to thank our sponsors, the Pride Institute, which is a drug and alcohol residential and outpatient recovery center, and Brending Electrolysis in St. Paul. Contact Bev. Let her know that Ellie recommended her. I mean, you'll love Bev. She does wonderful, wonderful work. And a big, and a big thanks to Brett Johnson, my producer extraordinaire. Thank you, Brett, for always having Ellie's back. And a big thanks to you, my listeners, for tuning in every Monday. I know it's not easy, but because it's Mondays. And I will see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.